Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado, Colorado's premier outdoor radio show heard every Saturday afternoon on KLZ 560 with insights on hunting, fishing, archery, guns, and ammo from Colorado's top outfitters featuring the industry's leading experts on how to enhance your experience in the great outdoors. Now, here's your host, Scott Watley. Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Scott Watley, and we appreciate you being with us today. And uh, be sure and catch us on Sundays as well. I've had a few people talk to me about that when they flip in the dial on Sunday and did not know our show is re-aired on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. So we are live on Saturdays uh, from 1 to 2. And then you can catch us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. And uh, glad to have a good friend in studio. And Henry's been with us for Henry Ferguson. So, Henry, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Scott. Always man, we're fun. getting closer to the hunting season here, bud. Oh, man. <laughs> I can feel it in the air. I can feel it in my bones. I know. <laughs> I know. Man, Henry's just telling me he was out this morning. We'll get to that conversation in a minute. But we're going to talk a lot about archery today. But we're going to kind of hit some random thoughts here that I wanted to talk with you about. And, uh... First thing I think that's a big, huge topic of conversation, if you hunt in Colorado, and that was our recent draw, or lack oh. thereof, <laughs> but the system with this yeah. not paying until you are successful in the draw. So from what you're hearing out there, and you mentioned, I think you said, uh, you know, you're with the Colorado Bow Association and everything, yeah. that's a big topic, so thoughts. Well, it's something that we'll be discussing tonight as a board to find out what our stance is and come up with a, a consistent stance for the board. But, I mean, personally, it was ugly for me this year, Scott. I, I applied for everything, and I drew an archery antelope tag. That's it. Wow. That's it. So I'll be... Uh, and normally you draw all the time. Um, or, or I'm, I'm on an every other year program, but... Basically, I mean, I, I put in for some hunts that I had pretty decent odds at. Um, my son drew nothing. So we'll be going through the leftover list for him, trying to find something. And my wife drew a deer tag. That's it. Of, I mean, what did we put in for? Uh, nine species each. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we've got two tags. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, not, not a lot of fun. And so do you think the thing with not paying for the tag... Yeah, I think that It'll had a just, giant impact on it. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll put it, again, to put it in terms of my own experience, um, I've, you know, as far as the once-in-a-lifetime or the harder-to-draw tags, I've, I've got moose points, but I haven't really, I haven't personally put a lot of emphasis on sheep and goat. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, this year I applied for Why, not? Why yeah. not? Yeah, I mean, it's three bucks. Sure. It's six bucks total. Who cares? <laughs> right. And I did that for the whole family, and apparently everybody in the world did because those odds are going to be destroyed mm -hmm. if they don't make some changes. And I, I don't know personally. I, I don't know if the answer is maybe requiring people to buy a hunting license um, so that you're invested a little bit deeper into right. it. That's what a lot of the states do. Um, Arizona does that. Utah does that. Those are states that I apply in, and. You know, it, it kind of weeds out the, the people who are serious about it and sure. those who are just you taking know, too, advantage I mean, of the situation. Looked, I mean, there's a lot of different ways, I guess, you could look at it. But if they just took, okay, if you've applied for a license for 15 years here in the state, then you get some kind of preferential deal, something, you know. Yeah, uh, it's... And I it's, don't know what, but, you know, it seems like they do things in stages. Like, so whatever they put into effect is going to at least be here for three to five years a lot of times. And that's the fear, and because that's, yeah. because truly, once uh, 
you know, for for these hunts for moose and sheep and goat, you've got to have three points to get into the pool. So once you get your three points, so in other words, it wouldn't affect, it didn't affect this year's draw odds per se. Right. Won't affect next year's draw odds per se. The year after that, it won't be bad. Heaven forbid the year after that, if we don't already all have our uh, once-in-a-lifetime tags drawn mm-hmm. by then, it could get real, real ugly. Right, absolutely. Because those odds, I mean, you know, let's face it, we're applying for maybe a moose tag in a unit. You know, maybe one of two moose tags. So when you, as it is, I mean, currently there's hundreds of people applying for those, you know, each individual tag out there, and so the draws are already terrible. Right, that's going to make what it do you exponentially hear, worse. Right. What do you hear from, you know, the out-of-state hunters that are? They coming? love it. I Why mean, wouldn't they? It seems like they're, <laughs> you know, it appears. And again, yeah. you know, we, we read a lot of the same websites and all the different things, but it sure. appears there's, you know, quite a few of our tags are going to out-of-state, and when they're getting yeah. seven hundred fifty bucks or whatever for a bull tag, I mean, well. I'll tell you, I mean, the, the finances of it, I'm sure they would prefer that everybody from out, all the tags went to non-resident right. hunters, that Parks and Wildlife would never have to worry about money again. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, that's not a, a real, you know, a realistic expectation, but, uh, man, I mean, you know, 60 versus, what is it, like 650 for a yeah, non-resident right. bull tag or something like that? I mean, it's it's quite steep, yeah. so, yeah, that that's a... It's a tough, it's a tough balance, and it's a tough, tight rope to walk. But. Sure. Um, another topic, real quick, I wanted to hit with you recently. Uh, uh, I don't know if you saw this resurface where a young lady had shot a giraffe in Africa. Oh gosh. And um, you know, and of course, man, you read the first few paragraphs. I mean, they're talking about this being this black giraffe, which there is not. <laughs> you know, and um, but I just want to talk a minute about the the anti-hunting group and what you see, but. Man, you talk about people that are supposed to be, in, or what they say in their own mind, you know, loving and all this yeah. stuff. <laughs> Son, when you Boy, it turns pretty quick. The love disappears I mean, the fast. Wildness. <laughs> and, and you never see the hunting community attacking. No, him. no, and we, we don't do that. First, first of all, it's, I mean, as, as a group, anti-hunters can be very, very well-organized. And if nothing else, they rally around a cause. Right. And their cause is love the fluffy bunnies, love the fluffy bears and everything, you know, and you just want to go out and give them all a hug and make sure everything dies of old age one day or starvation, which they don't realize that that is also <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind exactly. of the unavoidable byproduct of it. But, but really, that's the, that's the sad reality is that they can rally, and they can rally in a big way to support well, others who don't support us. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it, and it, you know, the, the sad reality of that situation is that a lot of those people are just woefully misinformed. Yeah. They just don't know. And, they, uh, but unfortunately, they spout off their opinions like they're facts. Mm-hmm. And they won't even have a, a conversation. Oh, heavens no. About it. You know, when I first started this show early on, and, of course, we all remember when the dentist shot the lion in Africa yep. and all this yep. stuff. I mean, we met a few groups, and I said, hey, I'd love to have you in, but you can't even talk right to me. You know, I mean, you it's can't, not a can't conversation. It. Yeah. Right. It's just not, it, it's not something that you can go point for point and have a rational discussion about it, unfortunately. And that's, I don't know, I think that's kind of a telltale sign of where our 
where our society is because i mean everything is either left or right and there's just no middle Absolutely. so that's the that's where we find ourselves in that. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it's a blast. <laughs> yeah. You're listening to Sportsman of Colorado. My name is Scott Watley, along with Henry Ferguson. Henry's been a good friend of ours for a number of years, actually, and uh, uh, does a lot of archery things, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But, you know, I saw recently on a post, um, you did an archery demo at a Boy Scout camp, and um, uh, looked like, man, there's a couple hundred kids that came to that thing. That's yeah, it's, pretty a, cool, it's so. a pretty cool deal. Yeah. We do that every every June, and we'll we'll bring in, it, typically it's about 150 boys, and then you'll have, you know, 50 to 70 leaders that are there as well. So we get a pretty good group there, and the cool thing is it's a, a lot of these people, it's their first introduction to modern archery. Right. I mean, they may have shot, you know, the little fiberglass bows at a at a camp or something in the past but that's not really indicative of what archery has become mm -hmm. so you know when they see us popping little tiny balloons and i mean that's what we do is we do a kind of an interact it's a bit more interactive for them so we answer a lot of questions we tell them about our equipment show them what it's capable of and well, probably most of them a lot of them had never even held a bow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, the vast majority of them have not. Right. And so it's it really is their first introduction into archery. And so we've actually gotten a lot of people involved with archery through that, mm. through those demonstrations, because we've been doing them now for, at this particular camp, we've done, I think this was our 12th or 13th year that we've done it. So right. it's a, if, if you just kind of track the numbers back, and it's a lot of people who have watched us shoot arrows. Sure, sure. Know, when we kind of teach them about what it is. But the cool things for us about it, I mean, first of all, I, I like shooting arrows. Right. So it's never really a big thing to say, <laughs> hey, like Henry, a, will you come like shoot some arrows work, for us? Yeah. Like, uh, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, it, it teaches you. It teaches you some uh, pressure management techniques that sure. become pretty important later on in the season when it's hunting time. Because, right. you know, when you're sitting there shooting an arrow, and, I mean, we start out at, at this year we, we did three different distances. We did 30, 60, and 100 yards. So at 30 yards, we started out with little tiny balloons, little water balloons, and we are popping wow. those. And so it's a pass-fail test because they don't care. If you say, oh man, I missed it by a half inch. That was so close. That doesn't matter. Right. Balloon didn't go boom. So you missed. Um, so it's, it's, it's important because it puts a lot of emphasis on proper execution. So, mm -hmm. and having a, having a hundred sets of eyes at a time watching you, it's pretty real. <laughs> yeah. What does that do? I want to talk about what it does for the kids after you get to visit with them after, but I mean, even for you, just to know your help passing this along, helping hopefully pass that on to kids to hunt and well, shoot I, and all that. I'd feel pretty selfish if I didn't, honestly, yeah. Scott, because archery's done a lot for me. I mean, it's a, it's it's not a hobby for me. It it hasn't been a hobby for me since I was a teenager. I mean, you know, I shot my first arrow out of a compound bow when I was like 15 years old, I mean, 14, 15, something like that. And I got to tell you, it just it just took over i you know i've been shooting a bow for 30 plus years now and it's it's just a big part of my life right and i i just want to be able to spread that and share it with others and show them show them how much fun it can be to shoot an arrow absolutely when we come back henry and i we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the things with the big game season approaching we're going to talk about some keys to good scouting and glassing we're going to talk about some also some common mistakes there 
even stalking versus stand hunting, um, choosing your right equipment with archery and all that. Uh, Mark uh, Giebel is going to join us uh, a little bit later, and uh, Mark's in, he is with the Highlands Ranch Backcountry, and they've just opened a new range. Henry's seen that as well, and uh, it's pretty cool. But I ran across something the other day on the Internet, and I uh, was going to play it for you here real quick, uh, just to add a little humor here before our break. Um, but this is quite funny of a lady who thought, our deer crossing signs were. <laughs> have you heard this? I have. It's pretty funny. That. All right, so we're going to play this going into our break, and then we'll be back with more with Henry Ferguson. Now, Donna, you got quite the vent today. It sounds like what's going on with you. Well, I wanted to voice my opinion on something that's been bothering me for a really long time. Okay. Um, I I tried writing the newspaper and contacting uh, TV stations, but nobody seems to want to play with this. So that's why I'm calling you guys. Okay, what's, the, um, what's the issue? Well, <clears throat> over the past few years, I've been involved in three separate car accidents involving deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with the population and everything. Um, each of these incidents, they've occurred shortly after I saw a deer crossing sign on the highway. Well, my frustration is that Minnesota and North Dakota Department of Transportation would allow these deer crossings to be in such high traffic areas. I mean, I've even seen them on the interstate. Why are we mm-hmm. encouraging deer to cross at the interstate? I don't get it. That's such a high traffic area. I mean, you, you know, I understand that deer are wild animals and they need to travel across the streets occasionally to survive and, you know, of course, to find food. But um, it seems to me that so irresponsible of us to allow these deer crossings to be in areas where these deer are so likely to be struck by oncoming traffic. I mean, wouldn't you agree? Um, I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, you think they would put deer crossings maybe, you know, in, you know, smaller towns, maybe during a, like at a, at a school crossing. That's, it would be a safer place for them to, to cross. Wait. You know, put the deer crossing sign. You know, deer crossings aren't telling deer that it's safe to cross there. It's just more of like an alert for drivers so they know it's like a high deer population. The government put the deer crossings there. They can direct the deer population anywhere they want to by moving that deer crossing time. I mean, you know, why in the world would they place it on the highway or the interstate? You know, I mean, God, there are so many other places I can think of than put the deer crossing signs on, on busy highways right. and interstates. You seem to be under the misunderstanding that the deer are somehow attracted to the deer crossing sign. Well, well, yeah, the deer crossing sign is there to allow the deer to know that's where they need to cross. Right. And all these car accidents you had involved a deer after you saw a deer crossing sign. Exactly. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I'm trying to watch out for the deer, but... I mean, I'm, you know, speed limit's 55, 65. How am I supposed to, you know, you can't break really quick if, you you know, if the deer just is crossing in that deer crossing area. So you'd like to see these signs move somewhere safer? <laughs> right. If we, yeah, if we can move them, like, don't put deer crossing signs on the interstate or, or freeways. You know, put them in uh, lower traffic areas. You know, somewhere where the speed limit's, you know, a lot slower uh-huh. you know maybe small towns i don't know i think school crossings is a good idea well listen we will um yeah i mean you say you've tried to contact quite a few people about this 
Right, yeah. I, I wrote like at least three or four letters. and We you know, will tried. spread the word, okay? We will try to kind of help you raise some awareness for this issue, okay? Oh, thank you. We need to move those deer crossing signs. We appreciate your comment this morning. All right, thanks. Bye. <laughs> Hi, this is Scott Watley. Now, many times you hear your radio host like me say something like, let me tell you about my friends at, then we'll talk about a sponsor that we truly believe in and endorse. Well, in this case, let me tell you about a company that really is part of my family, Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center. For over 13 years, we have trusted our furry family members to this wonderful staff. At Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center, they believe that all pets deserve to have a good life. And their goal is to help you keep your pets happy and healthy throughout their life by providing complete pet care services every day, all at one location. We love the Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center boarding lodge, and your pet will too. Your pet will receive one-on-one -on -one care and attention throughout their stay. Open seven days a week for your convenience. Check them out. Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center, located at 8681 Lincoln Avenue in Lone Tree. 303-708-8050. 303-708-8050. Or check them out online at LoneTreeVet.com. You were injured in an accident. You went to the doctor and you thought your insurance would cover it. But that was before you realized how the insurance company actually works. And before you knew how long your pain would really last. So now you're stuck with a bunch of bills that you can't afford. And the nagging pain has been keeping you up all night, making you feel like you're going to lose your mind every day. You are not alone. There is an answer. Call Flesh and Beck Injury Attorneys. Flesh and Beck have the experience and the knowledge to navigate the complicated maze created by the insurance companies designed to minimize your claim. They will answer all of your questions and help you to determine if you are entitled to compensation for your pain and suffering. If you've been injured in an accident, call Flesh and Beck Injury Law at 303-806-8886 for a free consultation to find out if Flesh and Beck can help you get the compensation that you deserve. Rush to Reason with John Rush, weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. Uh, if you got that end of our last segment there, Henry, that lady. Wow. Let's put our deer crossing signs in school crossings. Maybe we could just walk them across the street then with the school <laughs> crossing guard. It just, man, you got to wonder sometimes. A lot of people just don't understand how wild wildlife really yeah, is. <laughs> absolutely. Well, again, our big game season is quickly approaching thankfully and um mercifully mercifully yes <laughs> and uh well you know first of all man we're blessed here right? when i was just thinking about all the things and species that are here for us i mean there's about everything a guy could want here you know colorado's long on variety but we're getting shorter on opportunity all the time mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that kind of concerns me is that you know we're not we're not seeing big thriving deer populations for one thing there's you know, we've got a pretty solid elk elk population and good you know pockets of good deer populations but right. we don't have you know we don't have over-the-counter deer hunts here i'd love to see an over-the-counter deer hunt even if it was you know a, a primitive weapon over-the-counter hunt mm -hmm. you know like a mm -hmm. archery muzzleloader kind sure. of thing but uh throwing an arrow something oh man yeah. <laughs> hey if they if they'd give me a tag every Spear. year now to throw it i'd find a way i'd start practicing absolutely so you're, um, I mean, you're like most of us. You love to hunt 
about anything, Absolutely. but mule deer is just something that's really a an yeah. extreme passion. It sure is for you. So it sure is. How'd that start with just you oh. zeroing in on one animal like that? You know, I I can't even really explain it. I mean, I you know, as a kid, I had an uncle who hunted deer, and my dad. I went on a deer hunt with my dad when I was really young, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it there's just something about hunting mule deer especially that you know through spot and stock there's a lot of different techniques you can use for it but you can't call them in mm-hmm. you know I, I mean especially not during early archery season you could sit there and meh meh all you want and right that's going to send them running pretty fast <laughs> in my experience i've even refined my technique and I, I don't know if i'm saying it with like an accent or something but you know it's what whatever dialect i'm speaking they're not hearing it right yeah. so um but yeah, it's just kind of a, it's a quiet, it's a, it's, it's kind of a thinking man's game because there's a lot of strategy involved in putting a good stock together. And mm-hmm. It's something that, uh, I just love it. I mean, I just really, really enjoy it. Right. And you're out quite a bit. So man, I mean, you watch behaviors a little bit. Do you see, is there a lot of difference with the way the whitetail react versus a mule deer? Well, you know, they seem of, a little more skittish to me. Uh, whitetail I seems think a little whitetail more are a little yeah. bit more naturally uh, high strung, right. but you know, when you get into a mature, when you get into bigger mule deer, you start to see a lot more of those characteristics mm-hmm. where, you know, I, I mean, a great example, I was watching some bucks, uh, 4th of July morning, I went out for a, for a good hike and saw three bucks and the first two, a little bit smaller bucks, just walked right up along this skyline, along top of this ridge and just posed up there. And I got pictures of them and I was waiting for the big boy to get up there. And he got up there just short of the skyline, looked off in the other direction for like a solid four minutes, and then just kind of went through a little saddle and did not ever show himself on the skyline. I'm like, come on. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a different species. When it, it's almost a different species when you start hunting just the big mature bucks. And, mm-hmm. you know, they just, they respond and behave so differently. So you'll put in... How many hours probably oh, of scouting man. and glassing before a season? A lot, a lot. <laughs> every every minute I can, you Your know. Wife I mean, could probably answer that. Better yeah, for me, yeah. Right? She yeah. could probably give you a better accounting for that, but she's she's pretty understanding, and I'm real fortunate for that. But uh, man, it, it it takes a lot. I mean, yeah. it really does. If you really want to be serious about it, and you want to have kind of that upper hand, you know, when the season comes around, you better get out there and do your homework. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about some of the um, keys to scouting and some of the things okay. that you do. And, um, um, you know, and then I guess when we talk about the keys or some you know, don't list there are things you don't do. Oh, sure, well. sure. Yeah. But just kind of talk about, I mean, you, you said you were out today. So, I mean, yep. kind of talk about your process and then what you feel like would be some good tips. And this will probably break into a couple of segments, but I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. So first of all, the first thing I, I do with scouting is I, I've come to the realization that you'll get all the sleep you need when you're dead. And so until then, you better get out there and get, get to work. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, you know, I, we got up at uh, 3 o'clock this morning to go out and make that scouting trip happen. And it'll be a little, a little groggy the rest of the day, but that's the price you pay. Sure. You know, you got to get out there. If you're not putting in the time, it's, you know, somebody else will. And yeah. Somebody else will kill your buck and it'll break your heart. So, but I look at scouting in a couple different ways. I'm going to all discuss like three different types of scouting. So first of all, we can start off with like a new unit. So this is a unit that you've not hunted before. 
maybe you pick something up in the leftover list or it's a new state or something like that. Um, then we'll go over more of an established spot scouting and then what I call named buck scouting, which is, okay, we're after a, a couple of particular deer. So, I mean, basically, if I'm going into a new unit, though, and I'm just getting started out, first thing I'm going to do is start looking at Google Earth. Okay. And look at Google Earth, and you're going to be looking for things like glassing points. For, for me, I'm, I'm a big glasser, and that's, that's how I feel you can get a, the best inventory of what's, what's actually living out mm -hmm. there and what's, uh, what's calling that area Let's home. Just get to the highest point you can get to. Get to the highest point you can get to. And, but, you know, a high point only works if you've got a little bit of broken terrain and you've got some open areas, whether right. you're in the high country glassing avalanche chutes or you know, up and above timberline or down low. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different, there's going to be enough open areas that you, you can find them. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I'll be looking for things like glassing points. You can find saddles. You can find, you know, you might be, get lucky and find streams and stuff like that on Google Earth. But that kind of leads you to the next step, which is um, getting maps. So rather that's a, a paper map, like those hunt data maps that they have. I think right. they're hunt data. Yeah, hunt data. But it's yeah. like those unit-specific maps. And those will give you a little bit of insight on um, things like travel corridors. You know, if there's a, if there's a uh, migration route, that'll tell you where the migration is. So if you're hunting later season, that's good information you're going to want to have. You're going to want to know that if it starts snowing in the high country. That, mm -hmm. can, uh, that can certainly change things there in a big way. Now, after you've gone through those two steps, I want to get a couple trips in. So the first trip, I'm going to be looking at covering every road I possibly can just to get to know the unit. Right. Figure out where the high country is, where that lower country is, trailheads, figuring out are, are these trailheads like totally blown out with hikers, <laughs> you know? Sure. And that, that, can be a, that can be a big problem at times. Um, so you want to make sure you've got things... Um, you know, on that first trip, I go in there and I'll, I'll have a notebook or I'll have a, a paper map that I can literally write notes on. So I'll be looking for things like, uh, you know, just access points. Again, looking for different vantage points, uh, things like that. Um, and then once you're, uh, once you're, once your boots on the ground, that if this could be in that first trip, but sometimes this kind of bleeds over into a second trip. Looking for terrain features, looking for feed, looking for water and places like sure. that. Things that are going to naturally funnel those animals into a spot. Um, and then looking for travel patterns, feeding, bedding areas. I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's just a, that's going to be kind of my first steps for mm -hmm. scouting a new area. But, you know, you got to put in your time. Yep. You've got to put in your time. So that's, uh, that's a big, big part of it mm -hmm. is just knowing each, you know, today I, I did a, I did a dumb thing. <laughs> I do a lot of dumb things when I'm, when I'm hunting and when I'm scouting, right. it's just we, kind of, uh, all been there, yeah. yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, we, we saw, we found a real nice buck. And so we're watching this buck waiting for him to, and he's kind of, he's, he's just feeding in this brush and it lift his head up real quick, lift his head up real quick, look, you know, back up and back down. And I, we just never could really get a good look at this buck and really get a feel for how, just how big he was. We knew he was good, but we didn't know how good. So I tried my, uh, my, my patented Ferguson buck call. And, you know, he's a few hundred yards out. And I said, hey, bucky, 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 bucky. 
And sure enough, he lifted his head up and looked right at it. That us. works most of the time. Oh, see your videos. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, 50% of the time it works every time. Yeah. So um, he jumps, jerks his head up, looks right at us for about 20 seconds, and then takes the entire herd up and over the hill. I'm like, okay, that kind of backfired. Yeah. But, you know, being a glass half full kind of guy, I looked at it and said, okay, now I know where his escape route is. Because the creatures of habit. I mean, they are. Yeah, yeah they are. And I mean, they do have places where, you know, I mean, chances are that Buck's mom and dad, you know, taught them this is the way we go when we're running away from people mm-hmm. or from whatever happens to be, you know, out there. So, you know, it wasn't all lost, it wasn't all wasted. Right. I did learn something. <laughs> so, will you normally stay? Up fairly high instead of because you you know you don't want to probably go tromping through the bedding areas and you know, and sometimes I those try are to easy to recognize. I try to keep a real low impact on it, especially yeah. early on. Um, now this is far enough out that if I'm going to bump a deer, this is when I want to do it because yeah. I sure don't exactly. want to do it when it comes August. You know, if I do it, if I bump a deer at the beginning of August, that is a giant mistake on my part mm-hmm. because now I've educated him. I've I've told him. I've, I've kind of, if we're playing poker, I've kind of shown in my hand, you know, right. hey, this is where I'm going to start. And I sure don't want that because it's hard enough getting, it's hard enough killing something with a bow. <laughs> I yeah, don't need no to make kidding. it any, I don't need to make it any more difficult. Right, so, right. Yeah. So, yeah, and new units are, or new areas are always tough, you know, when you go there that first time. So, like you said. It sure is. And you got to know where you're at. I mean, unfortunately, boy, it's, sometimes it's, not easy to tell what's private, what's public. Well, and that's why I mentioned Onyx Maps. Yeah. Holy cow, you better know. I mean, yeah. because there's a lot of landowners that just flat out will not mess around. They'll just press charges. That's all there is to it. Yeah. So, I mean, in my in my opinion, it's just not worth the risk. Oh, absolutely. I, I try to stay away from, as far away from private land as I can possibly get. Yeah. Unless I find that there's, you know, a, a lot of pressure from other hunters that's pushing them towards the private I'll get a safe distance away from the private and mm-hmm. kind of try to hunt that, you know, maybe hunt around that perimeter. But, boy, you better have your ducks in a row there because right. that could get that could get real ugly real quick. And losing my hunting privileges just isn't really an option for me. Sure, I, don't, sure. I don't know what I'd do with my time. Yep. Yeah, really. <laughs> real quick, what do you like about the Onyx maps? Uh, I, I mean, having, having instant access to mm-hmm. be able to look at you know, where you are, whether you have cell service or not, because the areas that I hunt, I typically don't have cell service up right. there. So, you know, if you cache those maps, you can literally look at it and say, okay, I'm right here. And it's not draining your battery too terribly bad. Correct. Yeah. If you have the maps cached. If you don't have the maps cached, you can sit there and watch your battery die. Yep. <laughs> well, hopefully in August, we're about to wrap up a little deal with Onyx Maps. And, oh, cool. uh, yeah. So, uh, nice. for, um, I think August, September, October, they're going to be doing some things with us here, so we'll get to learn That's great. A little more about them. But, yeah, I really like them as well. You're listening to Sports from Colorado. Henry Ferguson is our guest, and we're talking about scouting a little bit, and we just covered the uh, new area. And uh, when we come back, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Mark Giebel is going to join us with the Highlands Ranch Backcountry, and we're going to talk a little bit about a new archery range that's open over there. And then we'll be back with more with Henry Ferguson. We'll be right back. 
This is Red Merrill for Phoenix Weaponry. Phoenix Weaponry is a weapon manufacturer that services the firearm enthusiast. From precision ARs to suppressors, Phoenix Weaponry can make your dreams come true. Phoenix Weaponry is a full-service gun shop that offers gunsmithing, coding, and modifications to your own weapon. Phoenix Weaponry, family-owned and operated right here in Colorado. If you can dream it, Phoenix Weaponry can build it. Call today, 720-340-2496. Again, that's 720-340-2496. Or visit their website, phoenixweaponry.com. Mention Sportsman of Colorado and receive 10% off your custom-built weapon. Ladies, I know you're tired of walking into the local gun store and seeing the same old thing. So let me tell you about Rampart Firearms. Just a quarter mile up Highway 67 off of Santa Fe and Sedalia, you will find a great selection of guns, ammo, tactical, and personal defense weapons. And if you or your spouse love to hunt, Rampart Firearms is a great stop for all of your hunting needs. Shotguns, rifles, pistols, anything from predator hunting to your next big game trip. Head to Rampart Firearms at the foot of the Rockies. Open six days a week, Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. And you will only pay a 4% tax on your purchase. RampartFirearms.com, 720-468-0050. That's 720-468-0050. Rush to Reason with John Rush. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. Again, thank you so much for joining us. My name is Scott Watley, along with Henry Ferguson in studio. We're going to go to the phones now and talk to our good friend, Mark Giebel. Mark is with the Highlands Ranch Backcountry, and you heard Mark on a few several weeks ago when we were talking about the grand opening of a new archery range. It's just right off of Santa Fe uh, there on the, by the backcountry of Highlands Ranch. So, Mark, thanks for being with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again. Well, man, you know, we came out there for your grand opening and all, and boy, a great crowd really uh, came out for that. And uh, Henry and I was just talking during the break here before you came on. Henry was out there a few weeks ago shooting. And uh, so, man, this is a a great, great addition out there. I think it's going to be huge for you. Yeah, we hope so. We, we think we built something uh, pretty special. It's, it's getting good reviews and good feedback from people who have used it. So, um, yeah, hopefully the word continues to get out and it, and it continues to grow. Right. So, Henry, you, you're, like I say, you're yeah. the archery guy, man. Talk of you shot a lot of courses around. I have, and I'll tell you what, that was a lot of fun. I mean, the day we were out there, it was it was real hot. <laughs> it was like blazing hot. Right. But, you know, that's just timing. But we, uh, we, were the, we were the only folks out there when we got there. And so, I mean, we had the place to ourselves, and what a, what a cool place. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's a... I, I would imagine if you get out there early in the morning, you're probably going to be seeing deer and elk run, running around the range. Sure, but, right. uh, yeah, really interesting target sets. I mean, there were I, uh, there was stuff kind of there for every ability level. That's what I kind of like. And, and I just walked it the day we did the grand opening there. But that's what I kind of saw. And there was a lot of families out there. And there were some little kids shooting. There were adults yeah. shooting and everything. But it is, I think, set up. Um, First of all, kind of reality style a little bit because, I mean, I it's about a mile, right, Mark? Yeah, the loop is a mile, so, yeah. you know, um, yeah. 
And uh, we just weigh the, you know, in the natural setting there and the way they got all the targets placed, man. That's yeah, cool. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Definitely. So, Mark, um, for those that didn't get to hear you the first time, and, again, we talked about the Highlands Ranch backcountry. Let's kind of uh, redo that conversation we had a few weeks ago, just let people know a little bit more about you guys at the Highlands Ranch backcountry. Sure. Yeah, the backcountry wilderness area, it's a 13-square-mile uh, conservation area. Um, but in this area off of Santa Fe, um, we have, it's called our, our outdoor our outdoor center, basically. We have the area of base camp where we hold all kinds of programs and youth outdoor camps. And then the archery range is right there and our horse crowds are right there that have horse camps and horse programs and lessons. So we have kind of a center activity in, in this one area and then the rest of the property is set aside for wildlife conservation. Um, and so the newest part of that, obviously, is the archery range. And that's a uh, you know, regular sight-in range that goes out to 80 yards right now. Eventually, we'll get it out to 100 um, with, with great tar- bags for targets. And then the 3D range, um, 28 stations and, and all the good targets that uh, Henry helped us pick out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it's the, the cool thing about that, that range, Scott, it's, uh, it's basically what every archery club would look like if a budget wasn't involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. Because yeah. <laughs> people tend to get these things started on a shoestring budget, and sure. you know, because they have a passion for it. And fortunately, Mark had an opportunity to do this and mm-hmm. had a... And did a, it right. A, yeah. Man, did he. <laughs> I mean, there there's targets out there that I don't think you're going to see anywhere else around town. And that's right. that's pretty cool. That, there's some really unique unique stuff out there, and I really enjoyed it. Right. And Mark, of course, we have our banquet uh, coming up, and I'm... I'm you're probably about sold out with that, aren't you? Um, yeah, there might still be a couple of tickets left, but it's, it's going pretty quick. So it's coming up July right. 20th after our 8th Annual Elk Banquet. Okay, and that is that, uh, Highlands Ranch really uh, uh, for that banquet, but um, this archery range we're talking about, there, there are kind of some discounts if you live in Highlands Ranch, but it is open to anyone, and they can go to your – give me that website one more time. I failed to get that written down. Yeah, it's hrcaonline.org, okay. and then if you do slash backcountry archery, it'll take you right to the archery page. All right, so hrcaonline slash backcountry uh, archery, and it'll take you to that page, and uh, you can get all the different things there. But there's day passes available, uh, there's memberships, single memberships, family memberships, all the things there, and, uh, and I'm telling you, and Henry, I mean, you hunt with your family, so I mean, it's a great... Yeah family place to go and oh, there's not going to be a huge crowds probably you know and like i say you can just take your family out there and i'll shoot. tell you what i would expect that there will be crowds out there here pretty soon because yeah. it's a good it's a good range it's located close to town and uh, truthfully there's been kind of a it's kind of an underserved part of town as far as archery ranges are concerned i mean you're I live, I live real close to there. I mean, not close enough to get, like, member rates, you know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but truthfully, buying that day pass, man, you get online, it just couldn't be any easier. Sure. I mean, it's, it was a real simple process. Right. And so, Mark, a couple uh, more minutes here, and I'll let you go. But um, so, again, just like to let the audience know what all you guys do for hunts and everything for kids and, uh, of course, adults as well. But a big thing in all of our passion is to uh, get our kids out there and let them um, experience uh, what the Highlands Ranch backcountry has to offer. Yeah, absolutely. We we have you know this amazing conservation area. It really is the gem of Highlands Ranch, I think. And and a lot of people still don't know about it or realize what it is. Um, so you know, wildlife conservation and habitat conservation are our first priority. But then, really close second is getting people out there 
teaching them to appreciate the outdoors in a variety of different ways. And I think we offer something for everybody. It's not just hunters, but we have uh, outdoor discovery youth camps where, you know, we, kids are out there for a week straight um, learning about conservation and survival and wilderness survival and all those good things. We have tons of programs where you can just come hang out and uh, campfire and, and meet our chickens and horses and ponies and things like that. Um, so we're just trying to get people outdoors and appreciate the outdoors, and, and we believe that's the, the path to conservation in the future and reaching this next generation. Right, absolutely. Well, man, we appreciate it. We're looking forward to the banquet, and uh, Henry and I are already making a, uh, plans to go out there and do some shooting. So, absolutely. <laughs> so we appreciate it, man. Good deal. Thanks for having me, and, um, yeah, thanks for helping us get the word out on this new range. Yeah, you bet, you bet. All right, bud, well, enjoy your weekend. Okay. All right. All right. That's Mark Giebel again with Highlands Ranch Backcountry. Go to HRCA online slash backcountry, and uh, that'll take you to our tree page there, and you can find out all the details there about this range. As I mentioned earlier on, if you're just joining us, Henry Ferguson is with us, and we've been talking a little bit today about our big game hunting coming up and talked a little bit about scouting. We've already covered kind of if you're going to a new unit this year. Uh, but then, Henry, you were talking about um, some other uh, areas there in scouting. Well, yeah. So, so I I think there's two more different ways of scouting. I mean, so first of all, if you have an established spot that you've hunted before, maybe you've had some success there, or you know, success has eluded you, but you've found animals and you're just trying, you're just kind of figuring it out. Uh, that that's kind of a different technique. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's you can kind of pass on a lot of the a lot of the steps we discuss because you're going to know kind of some of those ins and outs, but what you want to do is you want to always learn from the past. So if you saw animals in an area, chances are it wasn't by accident. Right. There, there's something that they need there. I mean, they're, they're pretty simple creatures in that they have basic needs, and that's, you know, food, water, bedding areas, mm-hmm. places to recreate during the rut, you know. So, right. um, and they'll go back to those places. So if, if you find that spot, focus in on why they're there. So that's kind of, you know, where you take a little bit different approach and, you know, not just taking it at face value. You want to find out why they're there, Mm -hmm. what brought them back and what, and, you know, so you can maybe find other places that have those same features. Right. Um, But uh, one one other thing that I do that's real, that I think is really important there, and I was just talking to my hunting partner about this this morning, is you just, you have to go exploring too. I mean, yeah, you've got your core spots, and we've got a we've got a half dozen spots that I know I can go to any morning, and I can find some good deer. Mm-hmm. I can find good bucks in there. Maybe not the buck that I'm looking for, but I, I'm going to find some deer. And um, but you've got to keep exploring. Just right. don't get complacent and rest on your laurels. You know, you've mm-hmm. always got to be looking for one more spot that has maybe that next level buck that you've been looking for all that time. Yeah. But, you know, and I, I take a lot of pictures, I take a lot of notes, and so, um, again, you know, having, having a big paper map, there's something just kind of cool about that anyway. I mean, there's just something nostalgic <laughs> yeah, we've kind of lost it. that touch. Oh, but, uh, we totally yeah. have, yeah. But, I, I, like I said, I make a lot of notes on my map, and I mean, I, you know, we've got nicknames for places, <laughs> you know. Sure. That, that um, wouldn't make sense to anybody else, but for us, when we're referencing it, we know exactly where we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, um, it, it just it, it just helps you to kind of keep track of what's going on out there. And if you start seeing patterns, and if you're making notes on that map going, you know, 
man, we saw a big bachelor herd right here on this face one day. Then the next day I saw a, another big bachelor herd on this face over here. And, you know, you, again, you start to kind of find the common links between those areas. And then it gets a lot easier to, to kind of hone in when you start, say you blow your, your first buck or two out. Right. <laughs> I do that every year. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like a hobby for me. And sure. it's, you know, you, you've got to have some backups. You've got to have some other places you can go into and, and know what's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, find, when I blew that buck out this morning, I, I, I learned where his escape route is. So that's going to be one more piece of the puzzle that, you know, I can use sure. when I'm back in there. So, so if you go with like a buddy, like you normally do mm-hmm. a lot of times, Will you guys sit together in glass? Typically, or, or one guy go to one ridge, another guy go to another well, ridge? Well, you know, it, it kind of depends on the spot. But for the most part, we'll probably, we'll usually set up, you know, maybe 100 yards apart from each other. And if we see something that's uh, really worth sharing, we'll kind of toss rocks at each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, get a, get a rock rolling nearby that, you know, gets their attention. They'll come running over and see what you right. got. But, uh yeah, I mean the, the idea during during scouting is you're wanting to cover ground. Sure. So yeah, if you can if you can kind of split up and cover a bit more ground that way, then absolutely. Right. Henry Ferguson, our guest. You're listening to Sportsman of Colorado. We got to take our last break, but we'll be back with more right after this. If you're looking for great deals on outdoor equipment and clothing, we've got you covered. Hi, this is Bill Paddock, owner of the Outdoorsman's Attic, your outdoor gear consignment headquarters. You'll save 20, 30, 40, even 50% on previously owned outdoor gear for the fisherman, hunter, and camper. We also sell live bait, firearms, and ammo. If you're doing a little spring cleaning, bring in your gear to the Outdoorsman's Attic. We'll sell it for you and put cash in your pocket. You can also pick up your hunting and fishing licenses right here at the store. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor gear needs is the Outdoorsman's Attic, located at 2650 West Hampton Avenue in Sheridan, Colorado. 303-781-3626. That's 303-781-3626. Or visit us online at outdoorsmansattic.com. Mention Sportsman's of Colorado and receive 20% off all your outdoor clothing. Hi, this is Kevin Trisna, owner of M4 Roofing and Gutters. Since 2004, it's been our mission to provide the highest quality of service and trust to every customer we serve. M4 Roofing and Gutters is a family-owned and operated company right here in Englewood, Colorado. At M4 Roofing and Gutters, quality customer service is our top priority. For a free inspection and estimate for your roofing project, call today 303-797-8600. That's 303-797-8600. Or visit us online at m4roofing.com. M4 Roofing and Gutters is an A-plus member of the Better Business Bureau and HaystackHelp.com. Hi, this is Scott Watley. Let me tell you what I love about Stack Optical. They are truly one of the last optician-owned, family-owned optical stores. At Stack Optical, you can be confident you'll receive personal attention. For over 50 years, Alan Stack has shown he really cares about making his customers happy. Stack Optical also has a beautiful new location at 2233 South Monaco Parkway in Denver. Free and easy up-close parking. Stack Optical has an on-site eyeglass production lab. Whether you need office eyewear, 
or a new set of shooting or golf glasses, Stack Optical has the solution with the Stack Sport Pack. Give them a call today and ask for their $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. That's 303-321-1578. Your eyes and vision are one of the most important things in life. I'm confident at Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. That's 303-321-1578, stackoptical.com. Rush to Reason with John Rush, weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. If you're just joining us, my name is Scott Wadley. Glad to have our good friend Henry Ferguson in the studio talking a little archery, a little bit about our big game hunting and um, glassing and scouting and all that. And uh, Henry's been sharing some great tips with us today. And uh, we've covered kind of that new unit, Henry, and then a place that we've been to a little bit before. Yep. But now we're going to talk about something that's where you're really familiar, right? Yep. So this is this is where it gets a little bit more personal, and it takes a little bit more homework on your part. Um, and this is what I call named buck scouting. So basically, it may sound corny or cheesy, but we'll typically name our bucks. If, if we find a buck that has, like, a really distinctive characteristic, maybe it's just huge. You know, that's kind of one that we're looking mm -hmm. for. Um, we will we'll give them a name. And it's usually something dumb, <laughs> but <laughs> it makes sense to us, and it's easy for us to reference. Right. Um, you know, so we'll we'll start focusing in on that buck, that one buck. And when you're doing that, what you're trying to do is you're trying to figure out that buck's. I don't know. I mean, they're mule deer, so they don't, you know, they don't walk a, the same trail every day mm -hmm. like some other animals. They're a little easier to pattern. Um, so you need to figure out where they're sleeping where where that buck is sleeping where that buck is eating where that buck goes for water and really you just want to find you just want to find where that buck's home area is right because you know sometimes you can find a buck and, and i'm talking about more early season hunting now if you're hunting a buck in the rut and you're going to see him you know and if you're scouting a buck for the rut right now, I mean, there's an above average chance he's going to be long gone. He's yeah. going to be somewhere totally different by sure. the time the rut comes around because he's going to follow the does. Mm -hmm. um, but basically what we're doing is, again, you know, we'll, we'll kind of having hunted an area, you know, several times over the years, you kind of get a list of up and coming bucks that maybe make it through the season. And we found a couple of them, you know, already this year that, eluded us last year, which right. apparently isn't all that hard to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll find those bucks and we'll just kind of keep a list of those and we'll check back in on them and see where they are and if they're staying on their patterns. And, but you know, it doesn't take a lot to throw them off their pattern. I mean, mm -hmm. if you get an active mountain lion in an area, sure. I mean, that can sure change things, you know, yeah. the fear of becoming cat poo. You yeah, know? no kidding. <laughs> That's a pretty real threat. So, and you kind of, it appears to me in the years I've known you, I mean, man, you go out with either a buck in mind or just a certain standard in mind. Because, man, yeah. you, you pass yeah. some really nice bucks, I have to say. Yeah, and I, I typically I'll have about 11 months out of the year to regret those decisions. Uh, <laughs> what's the rule they say, hey, don't, don't. Um, pass a buck on the first day that you would take the last day or something okay, like that. Okay, and, and I've heard that a lot, but here's my problem with that. If I shoot something on the first day, the freaking hunt is over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's the fun in that? Yeah, that's one, one day? I mean, come on, yeah. you know? 
Yeah, so I try to, uh, I'm not going to lie, I do extend it out a little bit, but uh, like last year I shot, I, I shot an antelope on opening day. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a mistake I'm not going to make again this year unless he's big. Just really big. Yeah. And I mean, hey, you know, I'll end the season at dawn on the opening day for the right buck. But, right. but I do enjoy hunting. I like being out in the field. Sure. I like spending a lot of time out there. And the longer you're hunting, the more, more opportunity you get to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about stalk, um, you know, spot and stalk a little bit versus stand hunting. And yeah. uh, I've heard some of your uh, deals and we've talked about before, but uh, some of us are good at the stand hunting others yeah. man we're there for three minutes and like oh, you can't man. sit still so most of yours spot it's and stock yeah kinda. it's it's almost exclusively spot and stock now sometimes you will can, weather dictate if you and if you come it, out and it it's can, really but, windy or rainy oh or man whatever. if it's real windy honestly I, in my experience last week of archery season last year was incredibly windy it was like so windy that we were a, a lot of the deer were just staying down they just were not getting up and if they were they were getting up real briefly and then just bedding right back down right. but yeah it was it was a pretty frustrating week for us because we thought we th- i mean we had several bucks pattern that i just thought it was inevitable we we're going to take one or two of them that last week mm-hmm. but uh mother nature had other plans for us so yeah yeah we watched them uh grow another year older absolutely <laughs> So, um, in these last few minutes here, I want to talk a little bit about the archery side of it. And, you know, the strategy and the mindset between rifle and archery is that that's a huge deal. Because I'm it telling is, you, yeah. you have got to be in a different mindset. And I'm trying to get there. But yeah. it, would, it would just kill me for that, you know, six by six of yep. to be hanging out there 150 yards. I can't get closer. He ain't coming closer. And, and that's, yeah, where your with, hunt ends yeah. with a rifle is kind of where the hunt begins yep. with, a, with a bow. And so it's, it, it takes a different mindset for sure. And you've got to go in there knowing and fully understanding that you're not going to kill them all. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's just not the way it's going to work. I mean, there's, there's going to be animals that due to the terrain, due to a number of different things, you just can't close the distance any further. Right. And some of those, you just watch them walk out of your life, and <laughs> you walk back cussing your equipment. You're like, why can't you just be a stinking rifle? Right, just, right. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, yep. But talk about equipment a little bit, because I think, you know, when people get into this a uh, little bit, it can be overwhelming. You go to all the shops. Oh, yeah. All the it different sure bows. You, if you start reading things in magazines, I mean, man, there's ads in there. This one's best. This one's best. Oh, they're all the best. best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, you can go to a range sometimes, you know, with a pistol or handgun, you know, and you can go over to Centennial Gun Club or somewhere and shoot, you know, some pistols and go, oh, I like this, you know. Yeah. Um, archery is definitely different because different. there's – but the cool thing about archery right now is all the manufacturers are building good equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of years ago, I, I was having some troubles with my bow, and I – didn't get the help I needed from the manufacturer. So I said, you know what? I'm going to switch. After nine years of shooting the same brand, I switched bow brands. And I did exactly what I always tell people to do, and that was go out and shoot every single bow you can get your hands on, and the right bow will pick you. And it truly did. I mean, I, I, shot, I shot the flagship bows from like eight different bow manufacturers. And when I shot the bow that I bought, and I bought a Prime Synergy, I got that bow in my hand, and holy crap. It was done. I knew immediately. I'm like, that's the bow for me. That's the bow I'm going to shoot for a while. And it's worked out real well for me. It's a great bow. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just there's a lot. 
But the fact is, I probably could have been pretty happy with my top four choices. Right. Any of those would have worked out pretty well for me. Right. And then when you get into, I mean, from the arrows to the broadheads to the sights to release. Oh, man. There's, I mean, it's just, you there's can almost a do a whole of, show on each one of those. You absolutely could, yeah, because there's, you know, for you just start at the end, you know, releases. Do you want a handheld? Do you want a back tension? Do you want a pull through? Do you want a index finger? I mean, you know. And you refer to yours, I think, as a hook or something. It, right? it is. Yeah. I shoot a hook style release and it's it's basically a handheld release that I, it's old technology, but it's what I'm comfortable. It's something that I, I fought target panic pretty bad for a lot of years. And when I finally beat it, I was shooting this release and I've just stayed with it. I've never found anything that I liked as well. So. So, you know, the bow, yeah, go to a good shop. I Absolutely. Mean, no limits. And what are a couple yep. others? That you, I mean, I mean different parts of town. Okay, I mean, so, yeah, just here in the, along the front range, you can start up north. You've got a couple good ones in Fort Collins and Gannett Ridge, Rocky Mountain Archery, um, Archery in the Wild in Longmont, heading a little farther south. You get down into Denver, you got No Limits, you got Bear Creek, right. Quick Draw. I mean, there's there's a lot of good shops out there. And then down in the Springs, they've got they've got two great ones. You're going to Archery. Yeah, Archery School of the Rockies. Archery yeah. School of the Rockies mm -hmm. next week. Um the archery hut down there is a great one as well. So right. there's a lot of good options here, and that's that's great. I mean, we're we're fortunate to live in a place with so many good options. Sure. So Absolutely. yeah, but find one where you you kind of work better with the personalities, or mm -hmm. maybe they carry the brand you're looking for, and that's uh, that's pretty much how I decide it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, it's been great information. We'll have to do this again anytime, we'll, Scott. We'll get yeah. out and get our uh, schedules out here and. Go over and shoot at that Highlands Ranch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, you'll love it. Yeah. You'll, you'll really enjoy it. So. Well, thanks so much. A couple Heck of quick yeah. programming notes here. Uh, again, next Saturday, which will be July 14th, we will be doing our show live from Archery School of the Rockies. And their new location is 2110 Bush Avenue. That's B-U-S-C-H Avenue in Colorado Springs. You can check out archeryschooloftherockies.com. Uh, their number for more information is 719 272 Four three seven nine seven one nine two seven two forty three seventy nine, and again that address is twenty one ten Bush Avenue, and uh, we'll be there from one to two next Saturday. And Outdoor Buddies, reminder, we had them on last week, August fourth. They've got a clay shoot at Colorado Clays on August the fourth. And uh, a couple of our sponsors want to mention real quick, Lone Star Hunts, which is our hog hunting uh, buddies down there out of Wichita Falls, Texas. If you call and mention Sportsman of Colorado, they will add an extra hog to your package. And uh, you can check out LoneStarHunts.com. And then on the 23rd of this month, we'll be heading to Yes Bay Lodge out of Ketchikan, Alaska for our fishing trip there. Uh, you can check out YesBay.com and listen, $27.95, four nights, three days, all-inclusive and really one of the most beautiful spots you will ever see. But you've got to mention Sportsman of Colorado to get that price of $27.95. So thanks for joining us today. Again, Henry, thank you very much. My pleasure, Scott. I hope everyone has a great and safe weekend. Again, if you miss us on Saturday, some of the show, catch us on Sunday mornings at 9 or Sunday afternoons at 4. Hope everyone has a great weekend, and leave it right here on KLZ 560.
views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country Station.